This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Six months ago, a storm of epic size and power hit the island of Puerto Rico. The U.S. territory was battered with power totally removed, fresh water not available for the most part, and many people living there losing their lives. In the interim, there have been efforts made to restore the basic functions of the island as well as get its economy back up and running. Some of that has occurred, but not all. Joining us to give us the latest on this are uh, Carlos Suarez Carrasquillo, who's a lecturer in the political science department at the University of Florida. He's also an affiliate at the Center for Latin American Studies there. And also joining us in just a few minutes will be Carla Minet, who is executive director of the Center for Investigative Journalism uh, in Puerto Rico. We start with Carlos. Carlos, welcome to the show. Good morning. It's great to be back. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Uh, What is it that you are hearing uh, from Puerto Rico and in your travels as to how the recovery is going right now? Well, at this moment, uh, there's a degree of uh, disappointment in terms of people who still have no power or people that do not have power or water at this time. So uh, that's still occurring six months after the event. So that points not only to the natural aspect of the hurricane itself, but the social response, and that compounds the tragedy and uh, the dire conditions of many people in Puerto Rico today. So why why is it that there are still some people that that don't have those necessities this deep after the uh, after the hurricane hit? There are a number of explanations that have been offered. One stems from uh, an initial slow response uh, and the Whitefish energy situation, where the contract was given to Whitefish, and uh, some people felt like that wasn't the right approach. There's their argument. Some people will argue in conjunction or uh, either or dynamic that the power company PREPA was already facing a dire situation that preceded the hurricane where it was deep in debt. They laid off a significant number of employees through uh, early retirement and also uh, their warehouses and equipment are not up to date and it's an aging, aching, if you will, uh, power grid. So those are some of the explanations that have been offered. And then the final one is that some people argue that it's just of the mountainous region and the terrain that is quite challenging for workers to access in a speedy fashion. So these are some of the explanations that have been uh, put forward. Carla Minette joining us from Puerto Rico right now. Carla, great to talk to you again. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, How is everything uh, going right now in Puerto Rico? Um, well, for some people, everything is um, just uh, trying to get to normal. Uh, but for many people in the mountainous region and uh, in the most impoverished towns in Puerto Rico, uh, there is still no electricity, no power. Um, they are still with problems in uh, having access to their homes, to their schools, to their work. Um, in some places, um, things are still tough. So um, the government uh, has, you know, 
given lots of explanations and uh, in some cases excuses, um, the government of Puerto Rico and also the federal government. Um, so things are still dire for, for many people. Does it feel like uh, Puerto Rico has been forgotten to a degree because we're six months out and, and you still have some of these issues going on? Well, you could say forgotten, yes. Um, some people just think that uh, people in in the government don't care about them because uh, the response has been so slow for them that, um, you know, it's not that the government doesn't know they need help, but it's just that uh, they haven't prioritized uh, their well-being. So... It's a very difficult situation for many people. Carlos, uh, one of the things that, that we have discussed in the past, but I think it bears repeating, is the fact, uh, and a lot of it has been talked about, about the remoteness of Puerto Rico in respect to the U.S. mainland. And you mentioned a little bit about the challenges that that presents in terms of getting a, a lot of the early work done in comparison to, say, if a storm which we saw uh, last year uh, hit Florida or hit the Texas uh, Texas coastline. There are there are challenges that have to be met, uh, and it seems like some of them have and some of them haven't. Yes, uh, geography certainly plays a role here, but uh, the aspect that I would address uh, uh, pertaining to your question is that knowing the reality that Puerto Rico is an island. It should be kept in mind in terms of the preparedness to an event. Not only it's an island, it's located Definitely. in a really active area of the Caribbean. Yeah. So uh, th- th- these are not uh, logistical surprises. The challenge mm-hmm. is that uh, the response and the conditions prior to the hurricane were not a- 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 optimal, right? Puerto Rico is facing a debt crisis, a, some would argue a political crisis that is mm-hmm. a, an economic crisis. So uh, these things have compounded what the hurricane brought. The hurricane exacerbated or uh, brought to the, to the American uh, mainstream, if you will, conditions that were already happening in Puerto Rico, and the hurricane just uh, maximized and, and honestly exposed the the poverty and the lack of preparedness that Puerto Rico has showed uh, on this time. I guess, Carla, off of that comment, uh, this really does fall uh, on the Puerto Rican government uh, for not being more prepared. Obviously, there there are the financial issues uh, that the that the territory is dealing with, but still, you need to have a certain level of preparedness for situations like this. Yes, definitely. I would add that the. The, the situation was very difficult already, not only for the government, but for the people. You know, the, the, the fiscal crisis, and, but also the economic crisis that we've had for the, for the past decade has been so hard on people and the precariousness of their lives uh, in terms of health access, access to health services, to education, to jobs. Um, you know, that, that's uh that's part of the of the context that uh means that not only the government was not prepared to face uh this hurricane but also people didn't have uh basic resources to um face uh this uh 
this crisis, you know, this new crisis that 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 came with the hurricane. Um, on the other hand, the preparedness uh, process for such a, a hurricane uh, falls in in the hands not only of local government but also of federal agencies like FEMA, which is the main agency in charge of the um, preparedness in Puerto Rico. Because, as you know, we have uh, uh, we are a colony, and we have the federal government in charge of certain areas, and the FEMA is uh, the main uh, federal agency that should have been prepared, and they have accepted in different stories that we've worked in the past month that they were not prepared. How uh, a lot was uh, talked about, Carla, with the uh, Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, coming down there to try and, and give and assist to people, especially with kind of the rebuild of some of the roads and and, and the ways to get around uh, Puerto Rico. How how do you grade out what the Army Corps of Engineers has tried to do in in the uh, in, in the time since the storm? Well, I think they they've been very slow uh, since the beginning. They said that th- this would take like uh, at least six months. Um, and they were accurate in in that sense, um, but the, the you know, for me the 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 question is why if they in the beginnings knew this was so challenging and difficult, why didn't uh, they made a plan and the U.S. government with the local authorities made a plan to just. Uh, get the process faster, you know, in uh, getting more resources uh, so people won't uh, be dying, you know, six months after hurricane. Carlos, your thoughts? Yeah, I I agree totally. The colonial situation does not uh, make the situation much better. FEMA, in terms of even uh, responding in terms of insurance, people filing claims, uh, not only language barriers sometimes, but other situations has shown a really ill-prepared situation of FEMA in Puerto Rico. The Corps of Engineers has also been subject of criticism. And then to some, some people will even argue to aspects of attitude. For example, uh, Trump's mm-hmm. visit to Puerto Rico where uh, paper towels were tossed to a number of uh, people in, in, in Guaynabo, in uh, the suburban uh, San Juan, uh, was... Uh, a moment that was quite symbolic for many Puerto Ricans as a source mm-hmm. of great disappointment. So mm-hmm. not only aspects of FEMA, uh, Corps of Engineers, and the logistical aspects that, that Carla alluded to, but also the attitude of some government officials, and that led to a number of political consequences, not only in Puerto Rico, but mm-hmm. also in the U.S. Carlos mentioned, the, and you did as well, the fact that there are people without power still. But a lot was made about the power grid and obviously the issues of of the power grid prior to the storm. Where does that mm-hmm. stand right now? Well, uh, we don't know for certain because the government stopped uh, informing the press and, and the citizens um, about the progress of the the you know, of uh, working with the electric grid. Um, it was definitely very, very precarious uh, just in in the past uh, few years, you know, that um, government agency have had lots of problems with their, you know, it's in, in a bankruptcy process. 
to say the least. So really, it was very fragile. But um, the government knew this, and the federal government knew this perfectly. Um, you know, this was, uh, in that sense, a man-created problem. There's no, you know, the government even have accepted that if it, if there's a new storm uh, coming in the next month, um, the power grid could go, you know, we could be have a, a, a new blackout in the whole country again. So that's where it stands. Very fragile. What about the assistance coming from the U.S., Carlos, at this point? Obviously, it sounds like still a lot more is needed uh, to to try and help the people, but also help the country get back up and running, even though we've heard some reports of of uh, people starting to go back to Puerto Rico in terms of tourism. That's that's just a, a very small part of, of what uh, Puerto Rico needs right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like uh, uh, Carla alluded to, there's the issue of, what type of lessons, uh, not only addressing people who still have no power, no water in many ca- in some cases, but also will changes be done so Puerto Rico is better suited to face such a challenge, particularly if with uh, the, the upcoming season in, in a couple of months, and then also uh, if there are restrictions in terms of FEMA funds and if Puerto Rico just needs to repair what's broken or can we at the same time get into a dynamic where the power company gets reformed whether it's a state-owned whether it's privately owned was a co-op system uh, not only are the challenges of the now that still haven't been met but like Carla alluded to what will happen when the next storm comes and then that involves FEMA as well it involves the federal government the Corps engineers and evidently Puerto Rico and Puerto Rican officials. Carla? Yeah, definitely. Um, we really need, you know, we are in a very difficult uh, stage because we are trying to look at the future in terms of how do we get up from this, not only from Hurricane Maria, but from the economic and fiscal crisis we've been facing. Um, and uh, we are, like, trying to do... Uh, small things that would get us there, but uh, nobody knows what's the long-term plan. You know, the government has been um, has been out of uh, this kind of conversation. You know, maybe the community-based sector and the philanthropy sector and the artist and the academia, uh, some, there are some conversations about the long, the long term, but uh, the government hasn't really faced this as, uh, as a process of uh, rebuilding the country in a way that is sustainable in the long run. So it seems like they are, you know, solving this today and solving that tomorrow, but it doesn't uh, feel that we have like uh, a very clear destination of where is the country going uh, and what is the, the path to go there. It, it has to do, I think, not only with um, the government's un, uh, ineffective um, way of facing this, this 
dilemma and this part of our history, but also with uh, our colonial situation right. where we are using federal funds and uh, deciding, you know, how to use it. Use them according to the FEMA protocol number one and to the U.S. Corp of Engineer protocol number two. And, you know, it's very difficult to look at, at the future in that way. Part of this also goes to the, uh, Carla, the, the number of people that may have lost their life uh, because of this storm and not necessarily just the initial storm coming over the uh, island of Puerto Rico, but the impact and the effects of not having power, not having water, the medical issues, all of that. And that's something I, I know that you and your organization, uh, the Center for Investigative Journalism, are trying to look into with the government in Puerto Rico, but I guess you're running into some roadblocks. Yes, um, we've, we've faced uh, lots of difficulties in, in trying to report on the death toll um, today for the government. The, government, the death toll stays at 64 which is inconceivable since uh, the government data says that there has been more than 1,000 deaths of, uh, over the normal uh, amount in, in that period. So um, we really know that there are lots of more people with deaths related to the hurricane, but the government has not... Uh, taken this as a priority. Uh, they recently um, got in the George Washington University to do an independent uh, study paid by the government about this, but uh, we really haven't seen uh, clearly how they are going to um, do uh, a really thorough process of accounting for those dead people. We are in court. Uh, because we, we we sued the government because of the lack of information. We have been asking for the uh, death, cause of death database, uh, and the uh, government hasn't, you know, has been very obscure in terms of uh, releasing that kind of data. So uh, we are in, in court right now trying to get that information. Hey, Carlos, this is this is all data that's very important, as we were mentioning, uh, in terms of the preparedness moving forward for uh, for another potential storm, Carlos. Yes, uh, uh, this is a crucial because we're talking here about public policy and, and clear information and knowledge that's made transparent to the public bodes well for a healthy democracy. And that's certainly not the case with this current context. This is, we could have been argued that in the midst of the tragedy that the hurricane represented, this could have been a chance for some transformative politics, things being done different. And unfortunately, it's a big disappointment seeing that even the data of those who died as a result of the hurricane is not made uh, public. And that, to be fair, uh, some argue that it's not even accurate. So that's really... Uh, concerning in terms of the long prospect of how will the island face future challenges, whether it's data collection, transparency, uh, talking plainly to, to the Puerto Rican public, or whether it's 
hiring the adequate uh, company or companies in a transparent way to rebound from the challenges of the hurricane. Right. And, and it's an indictment on the government's performance, and it's quite a unfortunate because this could have been a chance to step up, and it seems that it has not happened. The, the, Carla, the, the population of the island right now, in comparison to what it was before uh, the storm, I read a couple of estimates that it's between like a third and a half that that many people have left the island to go to the U.S. mainland because of the of the lack of, of basic necessities uh, in Puerto Rico. Is that still the case? Well, you know, it's very fluid that that uh, kind of numbers and estimates. You know, we since we haven't uh, surpassed the uh, the process you know the, the the relief process in some areas we we keep seeing uh, people going out of the island to to get better health care or to get education because also there has been uh, school closings so um i think we won't know for sure uh until this uh crisis stage p- passes which are the real numbers of our migration uh, we will have to wait until things settle in some way uh, to have uh, a real number and see who, which of the people that went, you know, to the states are coming back. But the question, but the electricity and yeah. they have, you know, a job or, you know. But the question, Carlos, then becomes: I mean, how much can you expect all of those people, whatever that number is? to uh, go back to Puerto Rico at some point. Obviously, some people have that connection. They want to move back, but others may be, become, you know, kind of very comfortable here in whatever location they're living in the U.S. and not yeah, ever want to go back. Definitely, definitely. If they if they find, uh, you know, a, a better situation for themselves and for their families in terms of education, health, job, uh, in terms of having even a roof, uh, they will stay where, where their, their their well-being is, you know. So even though they feel attached to the island and they have family in the island, it's going to be very difficult for them to come back to an island which offers them what, you know, a no roof, no jobs, yeah. no. It's it's difficult. Carlos, your thoughts? Yes, I currently a. I work at the University of Florida, and we're seeing some of that influx uh, nearby in the Orlando, uh, Central Florida area. Uh, some people are conducting research at this t- time, trying to figure out if they'll stay and if they'll not, or, or they'll go back. There has been anecdotal evidence of people going back, uh, but not all will go back. And also the questions for those who decide to stay in the U.S. is under which living conditions. Uh, FEMA has funded partially those who have relocated to stay at hotels and motels, and it has been renewed for uh, one more month after the six-month mark that we're just uh, talking about today. And that's a challenge, too. For those who decide to stay, what type of living conditions will they have to to live with? Uh, Mm -hmm. If they have family, if they have a network of people here, Uh, some Mm -hmm. NGOs here stateside have tried to address that. The diaspora has been crucial in facilitating and helping out, but there are limits to this, particularly if the most vulnerable were the ones 
leaving the island, then there are, it's very likely without lack of support that they'll be vulnerable here as well. And then it's a dead-end road, whether it's here or there, for those who don't have that support or those means. Great having you both with us again today. Carlos, uh, thank you for your time. Carlo, we wish you all the best in Puerto Rico, and we will catch up with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.